Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in third and final hour here on Monday. It is time for Midweek with the Mayor. New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell is here with us. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right, Tim. How's things going? I'm going okay. Good. It's uh I was uh, I was teasing that, you know, it's we're a week away from the state of the city address. So we were going to try to get a preview from you. But every time we ask you that, you're always like, I haven't written it yet. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's my answer this year, Tim. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's um, one of these people who um, when I have to write something of length, I just sort of uh, I've got to, I have to deal with inertia. Um, and it's, once I get going, I'm OK. But there's some people who can just sort of sit down and just fire off something of any length um i'm not i'm not one of those i kvetch over it for a while and then and then i get going and i get through it but uh so i'm like building to that point where i I can really start getting going but um you know i i think just in general i'd say this about the state of the city um address so it's next wednesday we invite people to come so the address itself is at new bedford high and it is, as we understand it, hosted, of course, by the Chamber of Commerce, as it has for many years. The, um, the event is, as we understand it, the second largest of its kind in Massachusetts. Only Boston has a larger, higher attended state of the city address. So it's a, it's a big thing, and it's an occasion. I've used it as an occasion to... Uh, address a number of things to multiple audiences, both in the city and outside the city, about the overall direction of the place, what we've been able to achieve, what the challenges are ahead, and how we what we can do about it, and what's expected of all of us right along the way. Because it's not the, the work of building a city and running a city is never just um, it's it's not confined to the work of city government. Right, we all have to be in it. So, uh, you know, we're at a really interesting point in the city's history. So there's a lot of stuff coming online now that we've been working on for many years. And it runs the gamut if like really big stuff, stuff that people said we couldn't do. So it, it's stuff like, well, we're in the final stages of a harbor cleanup that's taken 40 years. We are at, um, we're going to have uh, a inter intercity passenger rail service between New Bedford and Boston again, the resumption of that service after 
many, many years of not having it and about 30 years of ad- advocating for it by every elected official in, um, in the region. And um, the offshore wind industry is about to start in earnest with this coming month, right? And by the end of May, you'll see uh, what folks in Europe have been seeing for the last 30 years, which is all these big windmill components uh, showing up at, on the waterfront, lots of people working. So that's really exciting. And there's lots of other stuff, right? The state pier is fine. So these are all things that didn't happen by accident. It happened because you know, we, the city, generally government and, and everybody who's participating were persistent. We've just stuck with it. And so here we are at a time where um, – so there's a lot of that stuff going on and things to build on. Like a lot, of, a lot of big things are coming to fruition. At the same time, we've got some interesting challenges. A lot of, you know, we've got inflation. We've got political divisiveness. We've got a major land war in Europe. We've got a lot, all this stuff that it's causing some anxiety. And so we're at a period now where to get to continue to move forward, we have to do more of what we have been doing, which is to persist, to have a clear vision, to execute on it faithfully, to work as a team, and to get everybody involved. And so it's that kind of, to, you've got to be disciplined, but everybody's got to trust one another. And that's, I think, the great advantage these days of municipal government and local government, which is there's just such a higher level of trust uh, than there is with of the state government or the federal government. And that's because you get to see your elected officials, right? People see me out and about. They see me, they hear me on the air on this show. They see my family. They know, you know, my cousin here or my kid in the high school or whatever, right? So they know, so they have a sense of it, right? So it's not like I'm some like talking head abstraction on, on TV. So that allows us to... At the, and that's that's really one of the great reasons why local government has been relied upon these days to do a whole lot of stuff because there's just a closeness, there's a tightness, there's a trust that doesn't exist um, at the national level. So I'm happy to embrace that, and you know we're we're working hard to build on to take advantage to leverage that trust and get stuff done for the city. So this, I'm saying all this, everybody's hearing this, this is helping me, right? <laughs> he's just going <laughs> to so trans- actually he's hoping I'll transcribe right. the interview yeah, and make yeah, it easier so for him. This is going to help just getting this, these, these things turning. So that's, that's kind of what, there'll be some announcements. At least I'll, I'll, you know, keep some, keep some of that powder dry. If you go to some of the podcast sites and you click on this episode, it'll say like transcript and you can actually like get a Perfect. It's not. It's not great. It's AI, but it's it's. Wait, so when is yeah? When when can I get that? I'll just download that cut and paste. Well, and I'll, about about an hour or so after we're, we're out there. Or you know what you could do? You could download Chat GPT and just well, say, write that. me a State of the Union, a right. State of the City address. I could do that, right? I did it for Biden's State of the Union address. I put, said, you know what? What will Joe Biden say for the State of the Union? And it wrote me a whole State of the Union address that was pretty similar to what it was that he said in real life. So. Yeah, it, it might scary. actually work. It's scary. There's something to be said about that as well. If you think about all the things that are causing anxiety, that technological revolution that's being ushered in by so, uh, Chat GBT and other AI applications is. 
part of part of what's going on these days. It's not just the writing too. They have Radio GPT, where like somebody can host a show. Drew Carey has a show on Sirius XM. He he had the whole show done. He wrote it through Chat GPT and had Radio GPT perform it as Drew Carey. He did the whole show and nobody caught on. They like people were like, it sounds a little bit robotic today. But then he came forward and admitted, like, I did this in a, as an experiment. Everybody said, please don't ever do that again. Like, because you're just going to well, get everybody replaced. It's uh, it's a little, it's, yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about AI. But, you know, six people saw 60 Minutes. I don't think it was this past Sunday. It was the one before when they were interviewing a couple of the folks responsible for some of the major AI breakthroughs. And at the close of the segment i think it was scott pelly who said you know this is a disclaimer you're going to hear in the years ahead all of what you just heard was human content wow right so like yeah that's that's where that's where the world is today and god knows where where that leads speaking of human content i'll ask one more question about the state of the city and i know asking this question the answer is going to be both but i'll ask but, it anyway well, so what we're what, what's being served for lunch no, I, I heard that the, the media might not be getting lunch this this time around. Is that is that true? That's, that wasn't the question, but you're not going to get lunch. I don't know. I, I heard I heard some things. So, well, it's not coming from me. I'm not trying to no 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 deprive no. anybody. I, In fact, I'm not. I'll send I'll send whatever if it's chicken cacciatore or whatever. I'll send, <laughs> I'll send mine over to you. So, but the, the question I'm going to ask, and I, and I do think the answer is probably both. But when you're writing this like what do you what do you consider as the audience you want to speak to the people of the city about the things that are going on do you want to use it as a way to talk to people outside of the city to let them know about how great new bedford is it's both of those and it's both of those primarily it's also it also helps me organize sort of my thoughts for the year and what we're focusing on and organize city government around it's almost like a it's not quite a a work plan but it is in a way but no it's it's you know, we've got a big audience there uh, that includes a lot of folks from inside and outside of city government and other place people who have a stake in the city and there's a fairly large media contingent and so i want everybody to know like how we're seeing things that should put offer context for what's happened and what we're what's ha- what's going to happen so it's all that we use I use the state of the city address often uh, in getting uh, I, I send it out to lots of folks um, to uh, outside of the city so that includes a lot of government officials so it'll go out to our federal delegation it'll go out to uh, to the governor and lieutenant governor ordinarily um, it'll go out to businesses it'll go out to um, you know, lots of lots of folks, um, and the way we've gone about it is, I think over the years we've had a lot of mayors who've come to a lot of cities have come to us, not just from Massachusetts but other places, and said, you know, we want to understand what how you guys do what you do, which is, you know, it's all, you know, we want to keep the audience in front of us engaged, right? We want people to feel like, okay, I get where things are going, and I get that I have a part to play. That's what we want them to, and they're willing to do that, right? That's that's. That's a big part. We want the media and the room and elsewhere to say, okay, so we understand the direction of the city and they can ask whatever questions they have. But we also they also want, um, you know, it, it is an exercise in instilling confidence in others that New Bedford's um, on the right track. So there are internal and external audiences that are very important. So we proselytize that speech, you know, pretty much 
all the time. When everybody visits New Bedford for the first time and they care to read it, they, we, we send it to them when there's a statewide election. Everybody, every candidate who comes to the city says gets gets that so they can understand well, what's important to us. Uh, why don't we, if you don't mind, we'll take this uh, phone call here before we get into some other discussion. Uh, and, of course, if you have any questions for the mayor, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Mayor Mitchell. Hi, you're on the air. Sorry. Hello? Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Do you have a question for the mayor? Yes, I do. I'm calling to find out what it will take to get a streetlight fixed. I live in the south end on the peninsula on Willard Street off of West Rodney Front near the beach. We've had a streetlight out for over five months. Neighbors have called weekly to no avail, and it still hasn't been fixed. They've, who have they? Who have they called? EPI. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. They have been, they have been dealing with some. Um, you know, this will sound like a very familiar excuse, but it is real. They have been struggling with supply chain issues. We've been having a tough time ordering they a lot of things. But, 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 among other, but, among, but among other things, we've had a tough time replacing lights. Um, but well, I will tell you what: that five months is a long time, and you definitely want. Yeah, it's just a long time. So let, so we'll follow up. I, go, I appreciate the address. We probably, so if you're going up, just one, one point of information. You don't have to give me the exact address. But if, like, so if I'm on going south, if I, if I go up Willard from West Rodney French, is it on the left or the right side? It's on the right side. And like how far up from West Rodney French? Um, it's actually right in front of 91 Willard Street. Okay, 91 Willard. All right. So we'll uh, we'll follow up on that. Thank okay, you. well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Yeah, you Thank bet. you. And, uh, and again, if you have any questions throughout the hour with the mayor, 508-996-0500. Uh, so uh, speaking about some of the things that are, are planned for the city, uh, one of the major steps in, in being able to have the completion of everything along the waterfront and having the river walk come into play yep. is this this abandoned mill building that's right. been at the end of Coffin Avenue that has been something that the city has been looking to get taken down because not only all these development projects that you want to have around it, but also it seemed like it was dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So it's geez, this thing. So it's not, if you guys, if you look on Google Earth, it's the building that we're talking about is not visible from Coffin Ave. So if you go to Coffin Ave, you picture it, you go all the way down the street, go all the way down um, along Riverside um, Riverside Park on the right, cross over Riverside Ave and by the mills, and then you go all the way to the end to the to the water. Coffin Ave just stops at the Yakushina River. We're talking about what's on the left, but it's not the building that's on the that faces out on the street. There's a building behind it uh, that was up until I don't know five years ago or so, six years ago. The the site of uh, a company called American Engineered Fabrics and that went out of business. And uh, we had been in there a lot. We the city had been in there a lot because of a number of workplace uh, and code violations. Right, OSHA um, the uh, Occupational uh, uh, Safety Hazard uh, Administration went in there. The federal government went in there after a while and said, like, you're, you're going to get people killed if you continue to operate here without dealing with, like, 
things like falling rafters, right? So it's like, oh. it was crazy. So they finally got out of there. Then there was some, the, the place was owned by this guy in New York and he sold it to some charity in New York and we're like, uh, something's going on here. So he's unloading the building. It, it, it felt like a fraudulent transaction. We wanted to go in and demolish it. They refused. And so we had, we, Make, to make a long story short, we've been in court for a while on, on that. And given the pandemics certainly slow down the judicial process, so it's taken forever to get to this point. The good news is that nobody's in there. Almost nobody's in there. There have been some homeless that have gone in there and camped out. So we've had city the city kicking people out uh, every, every once in a while. Uh, but we've reached a point now where we finally have a court order that says, yep, you can go tear it down and to the extent that you can track down money or to, uh, from the owner, right, to the extent that you you can, you can um, go after him for to, to pay for the demolition. So, um, so we're going to do that to the greatest extent possible. We're going to use federal funds, so it's not taxpayer dollars to knock down the building. And we're going to of that, we're going to try to do everything we can to get compensated by the. Um, by the owner. The good news is this: it gets rid of this building that was beyond salvageable, and will allow for the river walk in that segment of the Kushner River to proceed. So it's just a pretty long section. So that's all good. In a few years, it's going to look great. We're waiting, of course, for the EPA to finish up, and that's you know still a couple of years away. And we've got to get easements and get all kinds of state permits along the way. So it's a slow going process, but we're getting there and it's going to be the river walk will be a really nice addition to the north end to the whole city to the whole region frankly because it'll, it'll be an opportunity for people to connect to the water all along the north end all the way up to where Aravox was and even a little bit beyond um as they couldn't for you know the last hundred plus years, so that's that's going to be a nice thing. It's going to really really open all that up. And if you go there, like I get out there on every once in a while to look at stuff, sometimes on a boat. I mean, it's there's a lot's been restored in that part of the the river. It's a lot of the contamination, just about all the contamination's gone now. And like I've seen bald eagles there. If you ask people, there's actually bald bald eagle. There's a, some big bald eagle. <laughs> On the on the Akushnet side, the bald eagles go around ospreys, and so there's it's good. And we ultimately we would like to see rowing races there. You can't get large vessels up to that uh, part of the harbor because of the bridge constraints. The 195 and and Cogswell Street bridges are pretty low, right? So if you've ever been up there on a boat, you got to even on a small boat, even at low tide, you got to kind of duck, right? But um, in the long run, we'd like to see those bridges raised so we can get some larger boats up there, but even before then, this is it's it's going to be a really nice addition to to that part of the city. And and you mentioned waiting for the cleanup to to be completed, but you don't have to wait for that to be done before you can start the process. Of no, this. you have to, you have to, because because a lot of the work, a lot of the, the remaining work, um, is in the well, the, the so called intertidal areas, right, the marshy areas along the river, and the work in part entails. The digging out of shoreline, kind of in the right in the same area where the the river walk, where the pathway would go. So we don't want to build the river walk and then have them tell us, well, um, we got to dig it up to finish the cleanup. So the cleanup's got to happen for it. So it's it, it's 
taken a long time. It's taken a long time because this has just been such a massive cleanup. The cleanup in New Bedford Harbor is one of the biggest cleanups, environmental cleanups in U.S. history. Or it's it's cost the federal government, along with the polluters, primarily Aerovox, together over a billion dollars over almost 40 years now. So, like, it's not in the news all the time as it used to be, and and it is about like 97 percent done at this point. Um, but it's been expensive and it's been a big deal. But once it's done, you're going to be able to see a lot more activity in, on the Acushnet River, and it'll be pretty cool. Why don't we take this call before we take our break? Uh, and again, if you want to call in with a question, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on with Mayor Mitchell. Yes, Mayor Mitchell. Yep. Okay. Uh, my question is regarding the old uh, St. Joseph Catholic School in New Bedford. Mm-hmm. I know a few years ago it was bought out by a private company, and they were supposed to have um, made it into apartments for the seniors and, and elder uh, for the seniors and disabled. The building is in terrible condition; it's an eyesore, and nothing seems to be. Nobody seems to be working on the building, and it looks absolutely horrible. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, no, great question. So the building is owned by a developer called Cruise Development. They've dealt, they have other apartment buildings in the city. And that building along with they – they are proceeding with that and two other buildings in the city for uh, apartments. Uh, they have, mm-hmm. It's that building. It's the former St. Mary's home on Kempton Street and the Dunbar School on Dartmouth Street. They are uh, – their intention is to develop it, and they're working on uh, all those plans now. We could um, – there hasn't been any – so, like, if you look at those buildings, you'd say, oh, there's nothing going on, right? And that's because right. they're in sort of, like, the pre-development phase. There's designing going on. Oh. You know, they have to put their financing together, which includes some subsidies from the state. And um, – and but that's it is actually moving along. It's just not going to be evident for a little while still. But it, that, that is being that is being actively worked on. Okay, as long as something's being done, because it's it's absolutely it's it's terrible. I have people say, "What's going on? It looks terrible," you know. And it does. They have the windows boarded up, and of course, someone's painted on the windows, and it does look terrible. But well, so I'll we tell you what. To... So you're right. It does it does look bad all boarded yeah. up. I mean, just yeah. as like St. Mary's Home and Dunbar don't look great right now because they haven't been fixed up, but they will. The thing I would say is, so if, if there's graffiti on those boards on the windows, mm-hmm. just let the city know. We'll come take it off. Yeah. Well, it's it's um it's like yeah they painted on it and it's and the, even the wooden covers um, are terrible. They you know they're just warped and it's just an eyesore. You know it really is. Oh, I I agree. Sometimes stuff ends up being an eyesore before it's restored, right? It's, right, it's, yeah, right, so. right. So is it um no time frame then? You don't have a time frame. It's just. It is what it is, right? It is being worked I on. I think so. Some of it is so. It's really a question of how quickly they can pull together mm-hmm. the money to do it. And so, okay. with lots of housing developments, you know, there's a level of subsidy that goes in. Uh, the the biggest subsidy is something called low income tax credits, right? Which a lot of developers use. There's lots of examples of developments in the city that have used those credits. And it's not to say that it's all going to be low-income housing it'll be a mix but it's but it's um that's there's a process the state goes through and it's it's either semi-annual or annual so they have to get their applications into the state and get approved so it is slow going that part of it's slow that's it is it is slow going but it is 
but it's going. But it's going. Okay. Yep. As long as we know it's going. No, it, it's, a fair, it's <laughs> totally a fair question. It's it's, mm-hmm. some, it's a project that I, I don't think I've ever talked about on the radio before, and there haven't been any press releases at all. So I'm glad you, you bring it up because I'm sure a lot of the neighbors are wondering what's going on. Good, yeah, we yeah. feel better about it because people ask me, and I so I don't really know. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so, so it sounds like you got somebody who's who's I, my a, a, approving. Just woke up, so I have to go take care of him. <laughs> He's very excited about that future plan. There. All right. Thank you right, so thanks. much. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. All right. We are going to take our first break of the hour. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five question zero five hundred. If you have any questions for the mayor, we'll be back in just a few moments. All right. Welcome back into midweek with the mayor. New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell is here with us. And callers, we'll get back to you. But I, I have a question I want to ask the mayor. So tomorrow night, the city council is supposed to take up your vetoes uh, on the three proposed ballot questions. We're hearing that there's probably going to be. Um, they'll probably be sustained, the vetoes. Uh, there's a lot of votes that seem to be in favor of, of sustaining those vetoes. Just your thoughts on, on the process of it, what you might be hearing about what's going to happen tomorrow night? Well, I'm, I'm glad that councilors have kept an open mind. I've had lots of really constructive conversations with um, many councilors. And, yeah, I mean, it's clear that there were some misgivings about uh, those proposals and you know we've heard uh, a number of councils already speak out against them and um, in the, the wake of those initial votes and so um, you know look I don't mean to predict anything but I just I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to, to talk through it uh, with them I wish that there had been an opportunity ahead of time of course as I stated in my veto letter, but I think what people have, and I frankly also appreciate a lot of the folks who've spoken out about um, the uh, the measures, right? So there are a lot of folks have spoken out about each each one of them, the the, um, Community Preservation Act, and and a lot of folks have pointed out a lot of the good that that's done, the uh, four-year mayoral term which you know just went on the ballot there's only been one mayoral election since that was put on the ballot through a legally binding referendum right and so it's not like the the ink is barely dry on that one uh and then uh the last one on uh, concerning rent control um you know there's been a lot of discussion around that and i think people have started to reflect on whether that really makes sense and i think that's so i think that's been the sort of the reconsideration of that vote has been important in the sense that I think everybody wants to do something to help folks find housing. Everybody's for having everyone out there with every one of their fellow citizens with a roof over their head. Let's just start with that. The question is really what's the best way to make that happen? And the consensus has been, because it's been tried over and over again uh, without um, success, is that it's not likely to a rent control provision, however, however structured, is not going to lead to um, housing avail- more housing availability, and that, that's just. Uh, it's, I think there's so I think there's a, there's a consensus out there, and I think that I'm, I'm glad that the council has started to reconsider 
its votes on that on, on that and the other two. By the way, New Bedford Light has a pretty in-depth piece where they took a look at rent stabilization, rent control measures in other places and, you know, how well did they work, how effective were they. Uh, so we got a, a press release from Ward 5 Councilor Scott Lima right before you uh, you came into the studio. And in that, he said that he is going to vote to sustain your veto on the four, on moving the mayoral term back to two years. But he mentioned, he cited as the reason for that, your willingness to work with the city council to include a provision for a recall for the mayor. Uh, can you... Can you give us kind of some insight into that discussion? Yeah, so he's so he and I have uh, you know, and I appreciate Councilor Lima's work on on this and lots of other stuff. He's been very effective um, for uh, for my ward, Ward Five. Um, he uh, and I've talked about this. I've been on record as saying that I do think the city should have a an appropriately drafted recall provision. Yeah, there especially now that the city has a four-year mayoral term and uh wouldn't although it wouldn't it shouldn't apply just to the mayor should apply to any elected official right uh i think people would generally agree on that the and 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 i say properly drafted because you know look you 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 don't want to have a mechanism to undo um uh properly administered elections uh for trivial reasons, right? It's got to be something really serious. So it could be that the um, the occupant of the office is mentally or physically incapacitated and can't perform the duties of, of the office, or it could be that the person's moral or legal transgressions are so serious as to undermine the legitimacy of the office itself, right? Those are occasions when uh, a recall provision makes sense. So if you look at the example of and, and there's a stronger case to make for it when uh, there is at least one elected official who has a, la- a longer term. With, with two years, it's like, well, there's always an election not too far away, right? But when there's at least one official with uh, a longer term, say four years, I think there's a strong argument to be made that, look, if something bad happens early on, you don't want to be stuck with the person for three years. The big example that I think the most prominent example that happened in the last 10 years, to my mind, um, is not the Fall River example, right? although that is that is an, an important one. Uh, it's actually Toronto, right? So if you look at Toronto, they had a mayor named Rob Ford who, um, right, so the biggest, the biggest city in Canada, he, early in his term, he was acting crazy, right? <laughs> just to put it colloquially. And among other things, he said, oh, yeah, I use cocaine. And, I, and the guy was just... Is no, had no business being mayor. It turned out that Toronto didn't have a recall provision in its city charter, so they were stuck with him. Uh, so that you don't want to get to that point, but that's those are really extreme examples. So um, you know, we've looked, we've taken at least a preliminary look at how something like that would be drafted. Um, so it all takes, it, you know, it's not something that needs to happen tomorrow, but I think we do need to have something like that. I look forward to uh, working with uh, with. Scott Lima and the other counselors to try to get something like that done. As you mentioned, though, you do have the opportunity every two years to vote on the council, but this would be the recall would apply to counselors as well for this I, to be put well, in. Well, not just counselors, but everybody who's elected, right? So assessors, school committee members, right? So that's that, you know, is um, I don't see why you wouldn't. Well, I mean, yeah. and then, and then again, once this is done, it would be a change to the charter. So there, there would be a process. It, it, it would be, and um, 
So it might have to be done by referendum. There's, there's a couple of different ways to do it. We can figure out how to make that happen. But um, I, I think we should have something in place just as a, a mechanism under that we the, the residents of the voters of the city can reach for in the case of um, extreme circumstances. It's something we get a lot of phone calls about and a lot of app chat messages about. Yeah, so. and I've been on record as saying I've, I I believe we should have it. So it's, it's it's not a new position for me to take. I just uh, I'm glad that we've got a you know city councilor who's taken the initiative on this stuff. But it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense. Let's uh, let's take some phone calls here. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If you have a question for Mayor Mitchell, good morning. You are on with the mayor. Yes, yes, Mr. Mayor. Hey. Uh, I have a question. Yep. This is in regards to what's going on down there. I'm a resident in the uh, Rowley French Boulevard, the west side. But it's a problem that goes on both sides, east and west. I hope we don't go through the same thing we've gone through in the last, uh, last summer. Apparently, uh, they think that uh, the police uh, looks the other way. They're not uh, enforcing the laws. And uh, they're using uh, the west and west running French track racing, especially the bikes. and the talking about cars. the dirt bikes? Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, Ivan, talk about any solutions. Uh, I don't know uh, if we're going to have to put up this summer again uh, for safety, safety reasons. Uh, and uh, if you have anything uh, as an option, uh, what, what do you think you're going to be doing? Are we going to have to go through this, this summer again as we went through last summer? Yeah, uh, look, uh, I got to tell you, that's the the dirt bike issue is one that really bothers me. Um, it's not unique to the peninsula; it's a citywide issue, and it is a, frankly, a northeast wide issue. Every city in the northeast is doing um, is having to deal with it, and um, I will tell you that you know there's no easy there's no easy solution to it. Uh, so. You know, there is, I just, I, I think there's some discussion out there that the police have like a no chase rule when it comes to those, um, dirt bikes. That's not the case. They, they, when they can chase them and do it safely, they do. They work hard. And frankly, it's the police officers who, as much as it, that behavior, um, bothers the neighbors or, and gets under everybody's skin, yours and mine, it's the police who are most um, put off by it because it's the defiance of the police's authority that, that's they're constantly reminded of. They're, they're flipped. Uh, these kids are flipping off the police. They're coming up to the harassing the police, and then they take off and they dare the police to chase them. It's bad. Um, we've made some arrests recently. We arrested a guy not not too long ago, and we'll continue to arrest him when we can. The um, but. Uh, it's it's the police are not going to chase somebody at high speed down narrow city streets um, because that could uh, under many circumstances that could be a danger not only to the police officer but to the residents right so you don't so they have to they have to buy their time they got a kid the other day in rural cemetery who was tearing around rural cemetery um, they were able to get that bike and chase him into a house and, and get him but that's um, what we're going to be able to continue to do is I think the biggest two, two things I think are, are key. One is 
it, even though it's really hard to catch them, when we do catch them, we have to make a, a big example of, of them. Like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get arrested. And um, if we have the illegal authority to do it, and it's not always the case, but when we have the legal authority, we're going to make a to-do out of destroying your bike. Like, I don't care. They can run it over. I'll, Tim, maybe we'll give you the keys to the <laughs> steamroller, and you can go go smash the, uh, them, right? I'd love to be able to, to do that. You should have taken the street sweeper money and got a monster truck. Yeah, something like that, yeah. right? You know, uh, so we'll, we'll take those opportunities. The other thing we do, uh, I think that's really important, is we need to we need to know where they're stored so we can keep an eye on those places and deal with the property owners, right? So if you know... I would just say to everybody, we've talked about it before, if you know where they're kept, let us know. Let the police know so that we can start to figure out how to – if we don't – they're not the, – the bikes are not illegal per se, right? But if they are being used uh, without being registered on city streets, then once that happens, we can take them. So we can be uh, on guard about that. The last thing is I think we got to look at changes in state law. It is hard to um, – it is hard to to clamp down on it uh, if somebody is – if they're the, – the violation that allows us to arrest, to arrest folks is the, the driving with an unregistered vehicle. And so sometimes they are registered and – but not always. And then when we con- confiscate them, sometimes – we get we can't keep them because the the rightful owner sometimes comes around with a title and says this is mine it was stolen from me so that's another complication but you know there could be uh, state laws that uh, I'm just thinking we've talked a little bit about it with legislators but the, having a law that says that makes certain types of vehicles just illegal on city streets and subject to conf- conf- confiscation you know, regardless of who's, who the owner is so. That's uh, that's something that we'll have to have to uh, continue to push on. But for more immediately, uh, we just need to make an example every time that happens. And I I talked as recently as two days ago to uh, to Chief Oliveira about that. The, the, believe me, the police are not they're they're not instructed not to chase, and they would more than anybody else they would like to chase these guys down. All right. Well, we have to take a break. Thank you, caller, for the call. We'll be back in just a few moments with more with Midweek with... All right. Just the um, few moments here before we have to take our final break of the hour. But um, you had mentioned, Mayor Mitchell, uh, the exercise tiger uh, remembrance. Uh, and that is something that I think is always the focal point, always something that draws people to the city. Yeah. So uh, it's, we have our exercise tiger ceremony this weekend down at Fort Tabor and uh, we just welcome everybody to come down and um, and enjoy it. It's it's uh, to be part of it. Exercise Tiger, I think most people know, but Exercise Tiger was a military exercise in 1944 that was in effect a dress rehearsal for the Normandy landing and there was a troop ship um, carrying mostly Americans, uh, soldiers, uh, that uh, was sunk in a surprise attack by a, a German U-boat, and there were some 700 um, military personnel, primar- again, primarily American soldiers who were lost. There were a number of survivors, um, and it was a exercise whose um, the, the fact of the sinking had been kept secret, not just till the end of the war, but for longer than that, and so it had been... Uh, kept quiet. It really wasn't recognized for the huge tragedy that it was. And um, through the work of a number of veterans from here in New Bedford, uh, we in New Bedford, not before my time in office, um, 
decided to uh, to establish a monument here and to have a ceremony every year for uh, those lives lost, which is a great thing. And I guess in in look, I mean, we, we this is a very ours is a very patriotic city, but it's also uh, and it's demonstrated in lots of ways. But this this ceremony in particular is one in which like nobody else in the United States was doing this. We in New Bedford and it involves veterans like Joe Theodore and others said, you know what, we're, we're going to do it. We'll, we'll we'll take charge of it. And so it's been a it's been a New Bedford tradition ever since. And uh, there are some New Bedford sailors who were on that uh, vessel. Uh, they're all passed now. We had one um, uh, one of the last survivors, Mr. Ricciardi from uh, who's, who's a retired firefighter from Worcester, was. Uh, involved in the ceremonies only up till up till about like three years ago, and he passed away in his mid nineties or so. He was a terrific man, and uh, uh, so he would be there every year for it. Um, but so even though I don't think there, I'm pretty sure there are no survivors left. Um, yeah, we we want to continue to to uh, to carry that torch. So it'll be Saturday at, at Fort Tabor. Saturday at Fort Tabor. Yep. And do you know the time? Oh, let's see. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll see if we can get that time for people. We'll be right back after a few quick messages. Um. All right, welcome back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.